Thank you for downloading and or streaming the newest episode of Recasted 2.0. It's been a minute or two, but I'm Wayne G, joined as always by Jesse. What's up? What's up, Wayne? And thank you, everybody, for your extreme patience. Uh, we want to make sure we put out the best stuff for you. So we wanted to wait and really make sure that the timing was right and that our situations were right. So uh, given a little bit of time here, we're ready to give you some good stuff. As part of our continuing trend, we are going to review a movie prior to the movie being recasted on the main episode. Today's film is the 1982 classic comedy Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Before we get into our review, please be sure to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Recasted Podcast, on Facebook at Recasted Podcast, as well as joining our public Facebook group, All Things Movies, where you can interact with us and several other great podcasts as well. If you do choose to vote on your favorite cast, be sure to do it on Twitter and get a special shout out on the show. Absolutely, yeah. Catch us on Twitter. Give us a vote, preferably my way. I've been hurting for a while here, folks. Now, all of our film reviews are spoiler-filled, so if you have not seen this movie in the 40 years since it came out and you don't want us to ruin it for you, pause the show now, go watch the movie, and come back to us. But for those of you not afraid of spoilers, Jesse, this was your first time that you'd seen the movie. What was your overall general feeling about it? I mean, it definitely had that same slapstick vibe of the late 70s, 80s that I think, you know, Caddyshack did, Porky, some of those other movies. But in watching it, I got to tell you, I definitely enjoyed it more than Caddyshack and more than Porky's. Uh, I've seen both. And this one was a first timer for me. Watched it last night and definitely saw some stars that I hadn't seen before. I saw some that I was like, man, why haven't I seen more from this person? And I really enjoyed the film, to be honest with you. Probably one of the ones that more recently that I've enjoyed more so than the others. Well, you touched on it, Caddyshack, we did most recently. And so this is the second, or not most recently, we did Reservoir Dogs, but we did Caddyshack. This is the second 80s movie that we've really done. And there's something about high school movies in the 80s that involve lots of teenage sex. And I know that teenage sex happens, but apparently in the 80s, it happened a lot more than it does now. Oh, yeah. My, my mom was watching it with me, and she goes, Jesse, I was born in 72. This movie came out in 82. I did not remember it like this when I was a teenager. And I was like, hey, man, that's got that Hollywood spin. I think, you know, maybe they took some realism and just dashed some spicy exaggeration on there to make it sell. You know, sex sells, Wayne. Apparently it does. And, you know, I know this is billed as a comedy, especially a classic comedy, but I didn't find myself really laughing a whole lot. It felt more like a teen drama like Degrassi High or My So-Called Life. Yeah, I mean, there were some funny parts where, I mean, I, I kind of like gapped a little bit. Um, it definitely wasn't a knee slapper type movie, but I enjoyed the character development more so here than I did in Caddyshack. I think like we touched on with Kyle Caddyshack, seemed to be uh, a lot of make it up as you go, uh, a lot of drug-filled, uh, you know, comedy, and they kind of lost gas about halfway through. Whereas this one, I feel like they definitely did more in building characters. I feel like I know a lot more about five or six characters than I did about the two or three that they tried to shine on in Caddyshack. And honestly, I think they could have called this Fast Times at Richmond Mall and not just the high school. I think they spent just as much time in the mall, and they really definitely stressed the importance of that mall culture, which, to be honest, Wayne, you and I both know that that, that mall culture is kind of gone now with Amazon and online shopping. I don't really know the last time you stepped into a mall. No, it's funny that you bring that up because I did have that for a later note when we get into our play-by-play. But since we're on it now, yeah, I used to hang out with the mall all the time in high school. It was like just something to do with your friends, and now – it's empty. You go to a mall, there's two stores in there. It's a ghost town. 
Absolutely, yeah. It's a cemetery now, and I, I like you, used to go there just to do a couple laps around the mall, see people, you know, maybe you, you didn't get a chance to see in between classes at high school, or maybe they went to a different school, maybe they graded out, but you go and you'd see them, you'd pop in dispensers, maybe Foot Locker, see the new shirts, you'd spend some time at the food court. Um, but it was definitely a place to be. It was popping, and now it's not doing anything but dying. So sorry to uh, jump ahead on some of your notes there. Don't mean to peek, but uh, definitely something that caught my eye was how much they stressed the culture um, and the job status of the mall, whereas now it's like, I don't know, man, there's, I don't think there's any places to eat at the food court in, in the Concord, New Hampshire mall right now. Yeah, it's definitely barren, and most of the malls are. This movie's about relationships and sex and things like that. So I, I really thought the mall played such a crucial role when I was in high school because we are awkward, especially around the opposite sex. And the mall was kind of like that pre-date. So we're not going to the movies, we're not going to dinner, but we can kind of meet there, hang out, and if things aren't gelling, we can just go shopping separate ways. Right, yeah, it's definitely a safe place where there's going to be a large amount of people. We both feel safe. We both feel like we can kind of split off if need be, but we can also find out some interests about each other. What store are you going to go into? Are you going to walk into Spencer's with me? Are you going to take me into Victoria's Secret with you? So, you know, there was definitely, you know, an experience to be able to do that as a high schooler, whether you were single or in a relationship, to be able to have the mall and the status that it had. I did want to touch on what you were saying about the character development in this film because that was my next note and kudos for you for recognizing it because I too felt like all of these characters were very deep, very relatable. You know, Mr. Hand, Spicoli, Brad, Tina, Stacy, just everybody had such a good arc throughout the film. I thought they did a great job with character development. Right, yeah, it wasn't just an introduction to somebody and you never saw him again. Like, it takes me back to Caddyshack where they opened us up into a house with like 13 people and then we never see any of those people again and it's like what a waste and and there was just some people that they introduced they give us a little hint of maybe we liked them maybe we hated them but then there's nothing and they really definitely stressed more of that here in this movie and it was it was really cool to get to know more of these people i mean i have no idea the amount of time that happened to lapse through the movie it definitely seemed like months but it, it was nice to see they spent time you know going through different stories and getting us to know these different high schoolers. And you also mentioned that you found yourself chuckled at a couple of parts. I didn't think this movie was as funny as Caddyshack, even though the character development was a lot better. I felt like Caddyshack had a few more outright laughs to it than this movie, which had maybe a couple of smirks or light chuckles. Yeah, I think Caddyshack definitely benefited from having the heavyweights in comedy like Bill Murray, like Chevy Chase. But to be honest, I think this one just, it was more subtly funny to me. And maybe because I liken it more to Big Lebowski, or at least Spicoli's character, where I, I think I enjoyed his interactions with Mr. Hand there. I thought it reminded me of how Lebowski interacted with the other Lebowski and how they were just such polar opposites. And I laughed at those parts there. You know, he's getting a pizza delivered to him. And then the teacher goes ahead and gives away the pizza. You know, I'm sorry to jump ahead there. But yeah, I, just, I, I liked some of those bits. You know, those that relationship really made it uh, funny for me. And the last thing I had before we get into our scene-by-scene -scene recap is that I didn't really connect with this film, and I know it's considered a classic film of all time, a classic comedy of all time, but this film missed me by a generation, So, which means it missed you by about a generation and a half. And I'm wondering, was this our parents' American Pie? I think so, yeah. I mean, my mom definitely enjoyed it. She remembered watching it. She talked about how there were some of the iconic scenes that growing up, those were the discussions she was having in school was, oh my God, did you see this? Did you see that they did that? And I think some, some actresses, they definitely have some iconic scenes from this film. But yeah, I think, you know, some of the roles, some of the specific character groups that they all took a part in, 
It wasn't particularly breakfast club, but it was definitely showing us different groups in high school and how they interacted. So I, I do, I would say either breakfast club or this definitely is kind of the American pie of their generation. And our rating scale is one to five. I'm curious where this kind of fell on your rating. I'm going to give this one a 3.5. I have to have it higher than Caddyshack. Again, I think that movie had some comedic heavyweights that really helped it flow for as long as it did until it really fell off the rails there. I think some of the golf humor really helps you enjoy that more. But for this one, I enjoyed the character development. I enjoyed the music a lot. I think that this one was really fun to watch. So yeah, 3.5 is going to be my rating for this. Okay. It was much higher than mine. I had 2.5 only because, listen, I think this movie was definitely better than Caddyshack, like you're saying, but I can't rate it higher because I feel like I was duped by the marketing because like I said earlier, I just didn't feel like this was a true comedy. It was more like a dramedy. And so going into it with my hopes of laughing a lot and coming away like, okay, it was more of a coming of age tale for several characters. Uh, Yeah. And uh, several people came to age in this movie. We'll get to that. Indeed, we will. So this movie opens up. We get we got the beat, and we see everybody and their cousin hanging out at the mall. We just talked about that. We're introduced to each of the characters very quickly, like rapidly introduced to several different characters, what they do for work, the girls at the restaurant gossiping about the guy from the radio store, rats working the movie theater, and then Damone is scalping tickets for Van Halen, $20 each. Yeah, and, you know, this is my first introduction to Judge Reinhold. The only thing that I viewed with him in it outside of the Santa Claus movies. So I went from seeing him, you know, wearing those, you know, Christmas sweaters and being the psychiatrist to going way back to 82 and seeing him in this role. So it was definitely fun to see him and, and Sean Penn with his long hair. Oh my God, he was unrecognizable to me, Wayne. I, I didn't realize that was him until my mom was like, yeah, Jesse, that's him. It was definitely fun to see, you know, this movie start out, the arcade, the pizza. It seemed very fun. Well, I will pause on my notes for a second to touch on the Judge Reinhold thing. You haven't really seen the Beverly Hills Cop movies? I haven't, Wayne. Don't don't take my man card. Oh, man. So, yeah, those are great. And then also uh, the one I would recommend, and maybe we'll get to it at some point, is a movie called Vice Versa, which has Judge Reinhold and Fred Savage and their father-son, and they switch places kind of like Freaky Friday, but boys instead of girls. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely put those on my queue, and maybe that will uh, inspire you to uh, put one of uh, his more classic films on our uh, our future queue, even though you know we are being introduced to him, or at least I am, him right here in his role as Brad. I also noted here, because Rat does work at the movie theater, I worked at the movie theater when I was 19 years old, and I remember it was fantastic because I could see any movie I wanted for free as many times as I wanted. I could get all my friends in there. I also got unlimited popcorn and soda while I worked there. And I was curious, I know that you worked at Market Basket early on, but did you have any jobs that maybe didn't pay well but had really cool perks? Yeah, unfortunately not. I went from working at Market Basket to uh, then uh, a bank, and uh, the bank wasn't really big on having benefits like that. There was no half-off Fridays or anything like that. So uh, a lot of the jobs that I kept were pretty straight and narrow, um, no uh, no extra perks like that. But I would have killed, especially in this day and age, I think I would have killed to have the access to movies that you had back then. And I wonder if now that you have a movie podcast, would you love to maybe just do like a one night a week just to have the access to movies so you could kind of get in there before the crowd to avoid spoilers maybe? Yeah, I would. But you know what's funny is that I've become really picky about what I see in the theater now. Again, I mean, we talk about when we were younger, I used to go to the movies all the time. It was like every week we'd go see a new movie, whatever the new release was. But now as an adult, maybe it's because I'm an adult and I have a kid and a family, it's got to be something special for me to go out and spend $40 in the movie theater. Well, what did your home theater system look like when you were a teenager, Wayne? What does it look like now? 
Oh, much better now. Yeah, back when I was a teenager, it was a, a tube TV, 19 inches. <laughs> and now I've got a seven a 70 inch HD TV. I think we've all upgraded to surround sound or sound bars and giant TVs to the point where we brought the movie theater to ourselves. And it really has to be quite the attraction to get us out of our house and sitting in the movie theater. And, and we're still going to complain about the cost. But, you know, I, I know the last time I went, I certainly enjoyed my experience. And I've only been to one drive-in, and I really enjoyed that experience, too, the back-to-back movie. That was when I saw James Bond. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think I did that once. Not a huge fan of it because you're sitting in the car. It's not super comfortable. I kind of like sitting at home and getting up and getting a snack and whatnot. But when comparing it to the theater experience where you're not really doing that, I guess it's comparable to that. I did tell you I went and I saw Multiverse of Madness in the theater, and it was all right. I mean, but it was a theater experience. It was just me and my daughter. Right. Now, you mentioned Judge Reinhold. We get to see Brad. He's working at the Burger Place. We see he's Employee of the Month on there. He looks like that type. That would be the Employee of the Month. And then we see Spicoli and his friends come in. They take their shirts off after they come in. It isn't like they walked in with no shirts on. They had shirts on. They walk in, they take them off, and they start playing dice or something. Hey, you guys had shirts on when you came in here. There's something happened to him, man. <laughs> come on, Spicoli. Just put the shirts back on. You see that sign? No shirt, no shoes, no dice. <laughs> right. Learn it. Know it. Live it. Oh, yeah, and they, they all recited it. And, you know, one of Spicoli's buddies there, Stoltz, you know, we remember him from, you know, being Marty McFly for a quick minute. And then, obviously, you know, his, his real claim to fame in his teenage years was Mask. But definitely what a transformation from him from being super stoner to, you know, going ahead and, and pulling in awards. Well, I don't know if you recognize, but one of his friends, must have been his other friend, is Nicolas Cage. Oh, uh, that's one of Brad's burger buddies, actually. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, one of the guys working back there was Nick Cage. Uh, I tried to look for him because so I was looking at the cast. Like, oh, who else could I recognize? And uh, I saw him back there, so I thought that was pretty neat. But yeah, he's back there flipping burgers. Now, we find out that Stacy is only 15 years old. She gives her phone number to the 26-year-old guy who works at the radio store. Linda says she had sex for the first time when she was 13 and that it's, quote-unquote, just sex. So this is where we really get to start to see that the movie is devaluing the magnitude of sex as a teenager, whether intentional or unintentional. It just seems like, hey, everybody have sex. It's not a big deal. Right. And, and when my daughter is 13, your daughter's got to be right around there. That was it was kind of uncomfortable hearing those girls talk and, and kind of continuing to see their journey in the film. I'll, I'll jump ahead there and let you know it was uncomfortable to see those teenagers kind of go through their, I wouldn't say struggles, but their phase. Now that we go to school, we see that there's toilet paper everywhere, and I can't imagine this happening when I was in school because it just looked like a disaster. Maybe it's an 80s thing. And then Brad pulls in. We find out he's really popular. He's got his own car. He's like, hey, five more payments or eight more payments, whatever it is, and this baby's mine. And then we get introduced to Jefferson. So he's got the Trans Am, and Damone tells this little group of kids, he's like, yeah, I helped him pick that car out. And then when he gets out of the car, he says, don't fuck with it. Forrest Whitaker, man, uh, definitely shocked to see him there. And uh, he actually wasn't cross-eyed, so uh, something must have happened after this to uh, funk up his eye. But it was definitely, you know, crazy to see him as a big, imposing gentleman here. And, uh, yeah, cars were definitely big to people back then, you know, wiping them down, keeping them clean, and making sure you came in looking like the coolest guy at school. I also noticed they had three girls given the uh, the Pat Benatar look, Wayne. Did you, did you see that? Yeah, which I don't really think the Pat Benatar look is all that sexy. But again, it's an 80s thing, I guess. Right, yeah, you had to be a teen in the 80s. We get introduced to Mr. Hand, who is a no-nonsense teacher. He's laying down the rules when Spicoli rolls in late. 
Yes? Yeah, I'm registered in this class. What class? This is U.S. history. See the globe right there. Really? Hey. May I come in? Oh, please. I get so lonely when I hear that third attendance bell oh, ring and all my kids are not here. <sighs> Sorry I'm late. It's just like this new schedule's totally confusing. Yeah, I know that, dude. Mr. Spicoli. That's the name they gave me. You're ripping my car. Yeah. Hey, bud, what's your problem? Yeah, the, there were definitely some tension there. It was uh, kind of fun to, to see the, uh, like I said, the juxtaposition of, you know, hard-nosed teacher and just stoner that didn't give a crap. So I was excited to see where that was going to take us. And I'll say this about Mr. Hand is that he reminds me of some of my favorite teachers in high school because I didn't feel like Mr. Hand was a dick, like the principal in the breakfast club. He wasn't trying to be an asshole. He just was like, hey, these are the rules. You follow the rules and we're cool. Right. Yeah. He, he was he was trying to get them to understand, you know, what needed to happen. He wasn't trying to be a dictator. I definitely agree there. I think you, you may potentially skipped over one of the sexier scenes in the film there, and that was the O'Care blowjob. Oh, no, I have that coming up. Oh, okay. That hadn't come yet. <laughs> um, the uh, We also have Mr. Hand hands out some papers, and then all the kids start smelling the papers. I was like, in the 80s, did like paper smell good after it came out of the Xerox or something? I don't know. That definitely seemed weird to me. So now we have Linda. She's in the lunchroom. She's teaching Stacy how to give a blowjob on a carrot, and she eventually gets an ovation for doing it. And then we find out Rat is smitten with Stacy. And we have Damone trying to give him some advice, like he's some sort of a Don Juan. Yeah, we had quite the audience for that blowy. And uh, yeah, I thought Phoebe Cates was pretty cute there. Of the two girls, I thought that she came off as cuter. It was uh, definitely fun to see what they were doing there in the uh, cafeteria. I don't remember any experiences like that in my days. Maybe I was just sitting at the wrong table. No, I remember in high school, and this is how funny it is, and I've brought this up before in high school. You remember how in high school, if rumors went around that a girl was kind of a slut and she slept around, she'd been with like two guys, you know, <laughs> you think about it now, you're like, why was that even a big deal? Oh, yeah. You know, this, guy, this girl's been with somebody once, so she'll sleep with everybody. It's like, oh, the, the way we just kind of abused that and it around was kind of unfortunate. Now, you said you had some notes on Damone. I mean, what do you think about him coaching up Rat? Like, hey, man, this is what you got to do to swoon over the women there. He seemed very Fonzie-ish to me. I, You know, in seeing him, I couldn't kind of pull what this actor's name was, Wayne. That's why I had to reach out to you while watching it. But I'm seeing him. I'm, I'm liking his character development. I'm liking his suaveness. And I'm like, why wasn't this guy in more stuff that I watched? Why didn't he end up becoming in, in more stuff? And I mean, I looked through his filmography, and I was just like, I don't, I don't remember, really remember any of this. But, you know, in watching it, I definitely thought that, you know, he, he pulled off some confidence, some suaveness, some versatility. I mean, he didn't crumble, you know, when Jefferson was talking to him. You know, he just stood there and took it. Um, you know, he didn't cry. Uh, so, I mean, I just think he, he's, he's a tough guy. I'd say he's like Wish.com Fonzie. I think it was pretty neat to see him coaching up somebody and, and um, you know, being friends with somebody that obviously isn't in his same sphere. I couldn't see them hanging out in any other atmosphere. No, I don't think of him as really hanging out with Jefferson. I think of it more as he's trying to attach his sales to Jefferson, who's, you know, obviously looks like he's going to be the five-star, number one recruit type football player. Well, I meant hanging out with Rat. Like, I see, I see oh. Rat as, like, you know, like the, the nerdy, weird kid. And I think Damone definitely had the confidence and I think the stature, you know, whether he wanted to be a loner or not, to kind of float and do whatever he wanted. So I think it was kind of cool that he was coaching along uh, along the way until stuff obviously got messy. 
And then we see Stacy. She sneaks out of her house. She goes on this date with a 26-year-old, and they go up to, quote-unquote, the point, which looks like an abandoned construction site. She has sex with him for the first time, and then he sends her flowers, and we find out that Brad is her brother. Yeah, a couple of notes here. First of all, I would not be having my, my daughter's bedroom door right next to the front door. I mean, you're basically inviting this girl to sneak out. And beyond that, I don't know if you remember, but the 26-year-old was like, you're going to let me get to first base? And ends up banging her, Wayne. Does this guy know how to play baseball? First base was not all the way. Yeah, I think a little false humility, maybe. Oh, okay. Hey, do you think I can get a kiss and then ends up sticking it in? Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think if I were uh, if I were Brad, I would have definitely been a little bit more upset with what had happened with uh, his sister. You know, pulling out flowers and finding out that she didn't want the flowers to you know really exist anymore. I think I would have asked questions, been a little bit more protective. Eh, he's being the good older brother, I guess. Like, you know, he didn't ask her questions about why she got the flowers or anything like that. I think maybe at some point when he first started dating this girl, Lisa, which we'll touch on in a second, maybe she covered for him a couple of times. So they have that kind of, you know, I'll cover for you, you cover for me kind of thing. That could be true. Yeah, back scratching. So we find out that Brad has been dating Lisa for about two years. And even though she's allegedly great in bed, he wants to break up with her because it's time to start living the single life. Have they slept together? Because it seems like he's complaining about that at, at the burger joint. Like, you know, why won't you lay with me? You know, it, it seemed very weird that he was bringing it up at work and they, they were kind of having a bit of an argument there. But I wasn't sure about what their sexual history was, but he was definitely rehearsing his breakup and his reasoning for it quite a bit. Almost every time we saw him, we saw him kind of coaching himself, getting himself to the point where he was ready to, to let go of this girl that he felt he wanted to be away from. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I did have it in a note and I erased it, but I, I still have kind of the outline of it here, which was that he tells the kid flipping burgers, he's like, hey, man, you know, the sex is amazing between the two of us. But like you said, when he talks to her, it's very much like, was he just trying to act like he's getting some, but he's not? Because he does say to her something like, hey, we've been together for two years. Right. And I think it's maybe some false bravado, depending on who he's talking to is, is the extent of his sexual experience. I mean, I almost wonder if his younger sister has, you know, made her on the bases more often than Brad has, because, you know, the way he was complaining to his girlfriend, it seemed like they'd kind of been high school sweethearts, held hands, gone on dates, maybe made out, but not gone the distance to the point where maybe his, his friends had. And so he was feeling pressure and was like, well, if she's not going to, then I'm going to end it and kind of just find someone else to have my senior year with. And that's maybe what he was coaching himself to get to the point of saying, yeah, I think I had some friends who did that senior year who they were with a girl and then dumped that girl and went with a quote unquote easier girl so that they could graduate high school no longer virgins. Yeah, my note here says Brad wants to be single because his lady won't put out. <laughs> and we get Mr. Hand. Now he's chewing out the class and we get his famous line from this film when he says, Three weeks we've been talking about the Platt Amendment. What are you people? On dope? I mean, he's saying all their grades out loud. That had me laughing because, I mean, that definitely wouldn't happen. D, D, C, F. <laughs> I mean, he's just he's trashing them right there. I mean, he looks very familiar to me. You know who he reminded me of was uh, the father from Jumanji. His face uh, just reminded me of the one that ends up becoming like the hunter. Yeah, yeah. He's also the butler in Richie Rich. Yes. Uh, is, is, is he? Okay. Because he, he definitely looks familiar to me. But, uh, you know, the fact that he asked Coley right then and there why why he is the way that he is, or, or I can't exactly remember how he phrased it, but Coley goes, I don't know. I like that. <laughs> I don't know. That's nice. Mr. Han, will I pass this class? Gee, Mr. Spicoli, I don't know. 
That's nice. I really like that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave your words on this board for all my classes to enjoy. Giving you full credit, of course, Mr. Spicoli. All right. And he likes to write a lot of stuff or spell it out. So he wrote, I don't know on the board. And he goes, I love it. So he basically is using their own words against him. Uh, I definitely felt like there was more back and forth in this and fun character development. I also like when he's not there and he's like, where's Spicoli? And somebody's like, oh, I saw him over by the vending machines. And when he comes in, he's like, hey, wait a minute. There's not a birthday party in here. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely baked. I mean, that guy was, was higher than Eagle Titties. So I was pretty jealous of his situation. And we have that dream sequence, too. I don't know if that's next for you. No, so next up is I have Spicoli and his, uh, we find out that Spicoli is friends with Jefferson's little brother, and Jefferson's trying to get Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets from Damone, and then we get Damone coaching up Rat to ask out Stacy, who he ends up getting her number. Yes, he was pretty quick with that, and he had a pen ready. He did, and uh, I thought it was cool, too, like, again, Jefferson kind of coming up to Damone and asking about the tickets, and he's like, hey, man, when they come out, I'll, I'll let you know, I'll get them to you. And I wonder how it worked back then. And obviously we can all just go on Ticketmaster now, but I wonder if back then it was like the tickets went on sale in two places. And so you would get these people that would buy up a bunch of them and then go around and sell them. I mean, it's probably back then it's more relatable without, you know, the open market that it is now. It's probably more relatable to the drug market where, I mean, you had to have a guy, you had to have some type of connection to have the early access that Damone apparently had when he was giving out these tickets and these tickets and trying to sell them and scalp them for, you know, profit there. I think he must have had some type of connection. He knew a guy that also knew a guy. And then, as you mentioned, we get the dream sequence of Spicoli winning the surfing tournament or whatever it is. And he asked the announcer if he can have his jacket. Yeah, the largest wave since 1946. You know, that dream sequence wasn't as trippy, but it did remind me of the dream sequence uh, that we saw from Big Lebowski, where it was definitely, it was different. And within a few seconds, you could definitely be like, well, this isn't real. This is a dream that he's having. Yeah, I thought it was real at first, too. I'm like, oh, cool. So Spicoli is maybe going to drop out of high school because he just went and won all this tournament money. And then as it got deeper into the dream, I'm like, oh, okay, this is a dream. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It definitely started out with some realism. And then you go, all right, no way. Uh, we get to see the following day Brad gets fired because of an altercation with a rude customer. And while I will say that Brad probably shouldn't have threatened to fight the guy or to kick his ass, I do think that obviously the customer was in the wrong, as they almost always are in retail. Yeah, definitely Brad should have given him his $2.75. I don't think that was a fight worth having. And uh, that all happened while he was covering the register for his buddy who was taking a piss. And so on his way out, he slams the door and goes, I hope it was a good piss. That made me laugh because, you know, I've, I've been in situations where you're covering for somebody or you're short-staffed for some reason or another, and, you know, you want to just be very mad at that person. And uh, I've never been fired because of a situation like that, but things definitely escalated. I also don't think that because you want your, your $2.75 back that you should have to fill out paperwork. I mean, if that manager was that close by, I think that discussion probably could have happened. So uh, it was a pretty awful shit tornado for Brad there, but we can see he definitely gets a better job afterwards. No, but I, I totally understand the filling out the paperwork because I, I definitely feel like, let's say we don't know, these are all made up places in the movie, but like it could be like a Burger King situation where Burger King is like, hey, this is the best or, or you get your money back. And then people say, hey, this wasn't the best I had. So they have to fill out a form. It goes to corporate and corporate mails that person a gift card or something, you know, um, so I could see that. But like you said, I think as it continued to escalate, I've, you know, I've worked in retail most of my life. I mean, I know you have too. And it's just kind of like, listen, at that point, it's not worth the fight. Just give them the money and just be done with it. I agree. Yeah. A paper trail for an egg sandwich seems seems rough. Yeah, I was right around that point that we heard some Led Zeppelin too. So I was very happy with the soundtrack in this movie, Petty and then Led Zeppelin. 
Oh, the whole yeah, the whole soundtrack was pretty solid. Again, it's an eighty soundtrack, so uh, I'm very happy with it. So we get into a high school pep rally that's going on at the school. This is where Brad's girlfriend breaks up with him now that he's been fired. She breaks up with him in almost the exact same way that he said he was going to do it with her, where she's like, hey, you know, let's go on our separate ways. And he's just like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was, it was basically like she had his script and she was reading right from the script. Like, you know, it's our senior year. We kind of want to do our own thing. And he's like, oh, my God, uh, this is exactly what I wanted. But now that she has stolen his thunder, I don't really know if he's feeling the same way. And that's when we get Rat is going to go on the state with Stacy, and Damone is giving him his five-point plan, which apparently people have died to try to get this five-point plan. But one of them is playing Zeppelin in the car. That's going to guarantee he closes the deal. Uh, hey, man, Led Zeppelin will, will help you do anything. And uh, at that dinner, don't they look so tiny in those chairs? They do. They look like little kids, and that waitress looks humongous. Right. It definitely looked like a weird setup there. Like they looked like little teeny people in the chairs and, and they both order knockwurst. And I had to work in the meat department. I had to look that up. I didn't know what knockwurst was, but I'd, I'd certainly eat it now. Yeah. Well, I think it's like a Danish food because this was like a Swedish Danish kind of restaurant. So I think it's one of those types of meals. We get to see, obviously, they get back to Stacy's house. Her parents aren't home. They go into her bedroom. She slipped into a nightgown and they start making out. Obviously, Stacy's giving him all the signs like, hey, let's seal the deal here and he just kind of gets weirded out and is like oh i have to leave i just remembered i have something to do right yeah something about you know stacy and, and lacy you know those names you know they're, they're pretty provocative in the movies we've watched recently yeah i guess not so much the names i guess i think it's, i think it's just the 80s vibe i think i was just kidding with the name comparisons but i think the 80s vibe and how they were kind of like using sex as much as they were like you noted earlier we definitely see several sets of boobies and you know lots of easiness on the gals that i don't think you see as much being portrayed in movies these days I agree. And I, I couldn't relate to what Rat was doing here only because I put myself back into being 16 years old or whatever. And I think I would have absolutely jumped at the chance. Oh, I have written down right here. She invited this dweeb inside, gets in a bathrobe. Where was this when I was in high school? And then I, my next note is, wow, Rat didn't cash in. Give me his man card. <laughs> And then we get Spicoli and Jefferson. They're driving, uh, drinking, driving, smoking in uh, Jefferson's Trans Am. So this is Jefferson's little brother in Spicoli. And basically they crash it. And they're like, oh, no, what, what are we going to do? My brother's going to kill us. He's going to kill us. He's going to kill you and he's going to kill me. He's going to kill us. Hey, man, just be glad I had fast reflexes. My brother's going to shit. Make up your mind, dude. Is he going to shit or is he going to kill us? And Spicoli gets the idea that he's going to paint all kinds of stuff on it. Like Ridgemont sucks. Lincoln is awesome because they have the game with Lincoln High coming up, which translates into Jefferson having this nightmarish game where uh, Ridgemont wins 42 to nothing. Yeah, I got to touch on something just before the game is, you know, to help with the whole rally aspect is they're all wearing shirts to say kill Lincoln and they have shirts to say kill Lincoln. It took me a second to be like, whoa, whoa, is this political? What just happened? And then I start to remember that that's the rival school they're about to play. And yeah, you know, be right. They basically blame the uh, the car damage on Lincoln. And yeah, he, he goes eight bananas on that other high school team. I mean, it was basically a highlight reel. He, he got drafted because of that game. Well, yeah, I think their motto was assassinate Lincoln, which I actually think is pretty clever because you and I both went to Concord High School and it was mow the big green. And I was like, really, this is the best we can do? Yeah, it definitely wasn't. Uh, that's not intimidating at all. 
we get Rat and Damone decide they're going to swing by Stacy's house uninvited, and she's there at the pool with Linda, who doesn't really seem to be amused at all by high school boys. Like, she's dating some guy who I guess is a pilot, and... Then we get the iconic scene of Phoebe Cates coming out of the water and taking her top off while Brad is uh, masturbating about this. Yeah, I've written down here, iconic Cates out of pool and bathing suit bit. And then I had to grab some tissues. Um, and then I wrote, uh, Stacy is on Mike in the pool. Because I noticed that's where we started to see uh, pretty much her flip from Rat to Mike. Yeah, well, because I think Rat was giving off that vibe. Like, he wasn't interested because he wouldn't close the deal. And she's like, what's going on with this guy? Like, she likes him. She thinks he's a nice guy, but he's just not really returning that interest. So she's like, all right, well, Mike seems like a pretty cool guy. Yeah, one of them had the confidence and the other didn't. And then we get Phoebe Cates walks in on Brad while he's waxing his carrot. And he's like, doesn't anyone knock anymore? <laughs> yeah, definitely not the situation you, you want to have happen. And like to your point, uh, Stacy obviously starting to have a crush on Damone. We see in her notebook, she's drawing like a picture of them hugging or whatever. And obviously you're getting that feeling. Like, okay, so she's switched now. She's interested in him. And now we're going to get that conundrum, which I'll ask you for your life advice and what you think about high school boys, one girl, they both like her. What do you think the outcome should be? What have you had any experience with that? Well, I mean, there's definitely the bro code, Wayne, with them even being friends. I mean, even even if this person is like a rival of yours, I think you kind of have to respect the bro code. But Rat is a person that he was coaching and you would say is, is a friend of his. So for him to go ahead and breach that code and you know, even though she was cute and she definitely was putting on the moves and, and, and pushing it, um, you got to be the bigger, better guy. It didn't really seem worth it. I mean, this guy lasted all of three seconds. Yeah, we'll definitely get to that. I have that note here as well. But yeah, I just thinking back to high school, I think of a situation because I was in uh, several situations where it would be I was interested in a girl. One of my friends was interested in the same girl. But the rule basically was if she shows interest in either one of us, neither one of us can do anything. Although I think a couple of times the rule came up, not my idea. You know, whoever calls it first, like she's an object. Yeah, you got to make sure that there's some attraction from her to you. You don't really want to force the thing. And I mean, there's definitely some dibs. Um, but then once somebody has dibs, you know, you, you lock out. You start looking for your next prey. Sorry, women. But you brought up earlier Spicoli now has pizza delivered to the class. You know, I've been thinking about this, Mr. Han. If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? <laughs> I mean, certainly there's nothing wrong with a little feast on our time. You're absolutely right, Mr. Spicoli. It is our time. Yours, mine, and everyone else's in this room. But it is my class. Hamilton, Brandt, Kornfeld, up front. Mr. Spicoli has been kind enough to bring us a snack. And be my guest. Help yourselves. Yeah, even before the pizza gets delivered, you can see Spicoli's grinning ear to ear. And he just he, he gives me off like this... This big Lebowski, Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin type vibe where he's very fun, um, you know, out of it, popular, doesn't really care that much. And uh, it was just very fun to see how fast that went from him getting a pizza to how fast Mr. Ann took that pizza and gave it away. Uh, so I thought that was awesome. And then we get Stacy tells Damone that she likes him. She gets a ride home from him. And then they have sex in the pool house. And I have a note here. It doesn't last very long. And maybe even that's a compliment. <laughs> Yeah, that was. I'm not even sure if he, if he made it all the way in. That was definitely scary. All that confidence, and it fizzled out. Definitely, he should have left before it got to that point, um, in my opinion. Once he knew a friend of his was interested, um, even if he wasn't closing the deal, you had to wait for him to kind of close that door before you, you jam your foot in and last all of three seconds. 
And then we see he's avoiding her at school. He's being kind of awkward, which that's another weird thing. Like, So he didn't even really like her. He was just like, all right, I can get some, but I don't really want to be in a relationship with this girl. So he thought, you know, don't be clingy with me. Yeah, he's too cool for any girlfriend. He just, you know, I think he's a better salesman where he's able to be an amoeba and, uh, you know, talk to anybody and everybody. So I don't think he wanted to have the attachment. And uh, I think maybe he did have a little bit of guilt. Later, we find out that she's pregnant. She tells him and that it's going to cost $75 each for the abortion and she needs a ride. He's calling some people to try to pick up money, but he can't get enough. So he just decides to completely stand her up. Brad gives her a ride, sees her crossing the street in the rearview mirror, kind of figures out what's happening. And again, we get the cool brother thing where she's like, hey, don't tell mom and dad or whatever. He's like, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, again, I think I expected a little bit more overprotectiveness where if I were Brad, I probably would have gone off to try and, and fight this guy. Um, you know, you, you press her for who the name is and to put her in this position, knowing that my little sister is, you know, 15, 16, I think I would have done a little bit more. But yeah, in, in that moment where we see Damone calling people and, and saying how much he needs the money and when, when he needs it by, you know, I, I, I started to kind of gain a little bit of all he's going to do. He's going to do the right thing. And, and so I was really surprised to see that, you know, he really stood her up at that point because I thought there were some heartfelt, I guess, seconds in that phone call where he was like, I need it, man. And uh, yeah, like you said, once he couldn't get it, he totally stood her up. And I thought that was really gutless. And Linda does spray paint the word prick on the side of his car, which he has to cover up with like cardboard. And on the locker. Yeah, he tries to cover that up as people are walking out. So he's got, you know, prick on the car and prick on the, uh, the high school locker. Uh, Mr. Hand shows up at Spicoli's house the night of the big dance, and he says, you know, Mr. Spicoli, I've realized that you've wasted a total of about eight hours of my time this school year, so now I'm going to do the same for you. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. I, again, that, that that's one of the parts, you know, that came full circle and made me laugh. And, uh, you know, we hear Spicoli giving his best to try and, you know, give explanations. He uses bogus several times when he's trying to explain certain things and also says aloha. I definitely thought that was pretty cool. Um, the teacher there, Mr. Vargas, that the the other teacher they show, I thought he looked like my big toe. <laughs> well, you know who he is is every time I see him, I think of his character in Ghost with Patrick Swayze because he's the ghost that teaches Patrick Swayze how to touch physical objects in the human world, even though you're a ghost. Since they pushed me, someone pushed you? Yeah, someone pushed me. Who? What? You don't believe me? You think I fell? You think I jumped? Well, fuck you! Okay, I didn't recognize him there, but he, he was definitely a weird-looking gentleman. We then get to the dance, Rat and Damone, they make up. They're like, hey, you know, all's water under the bridge. And then it's the following summer, and again, we got Linda and Stacy just scouting guys at the mall, because that's what they do. Yep, I have here in my notes, movie starts and ends at the mall. And employment status at the mall is absolutely real. It matters where you work and, and who works around you. And I noted here that Brad goes through three jobs. Stacy goes through three dicks. Yeah, there you go. So Brad, I do have here, obviously the end has all these little like subtitles about what's happening. And so Brad stops the robbery at the convenience store. They say he gets promoted to manager. Like that's a major deal. And we find out that Damone got busted for scalping. Mr. Vargas switches to regular coffee. Linda hooks up with her psych professor in college. Rat and Stacy are in a sexless relationship. And Mr. Hand is convinced everyone is on dope. And then lastly, Spicoli saves Brooke Shields from drowning and, sit and blows the reward money on having Van Halen play his birthday party. Definitely something he would do. I like those little after bits there. So I was curious, did you have any takeaways? I mean, I know you started to talk a little bit. I might have interrupted you about the sexless, sexless relationship between Rat and Stacy. 
Yeah, I'm just saying that's pathetic. I mean, especially for someone that was as forward as she is and, and just looking back at my experience in high school, I, I wish I was in a position that he was in. She grew on me, um, you know, she she's definitely easy, but she was easy to look at too. So uh, I feel bad for the guy not having the confidence to be able to move move forward after, you know, what seemed to be, you know, several months in the film. He didn't really, you know, make the moves that what was necessary I really liked those little after bits, those little where are they now. So I thought that was a funny way to end the, the film. I do like that so much of it is around high school and jobs. And I think about summer jobs when I was in high school. I worked at Walmart for $6 an hour. And I had a friend, and a lot of us had those jobs. I had a friend who worked at McDonald's. I had a friend who worked at Toys R Us. We just we were kids and we had kid jobs. And one of my friends, his parents were the president and the vice president of a company. And they got him a summer job bailing cardboard for $15 an hour. And anytime we would try to bust his balls about it, he used to talk about how hard the job was and we don't even realize how many paper cuts he gets. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cardboard is probably one of the easiest things you can do is just throwing that into a bailer and pressing a button. <laughs> yeah, He had a tough, tough life. <laughs> oh man. I'm sure he gets pedicures and manicures now. So yeah, so that's the entire episode there that is my review jesse's review i know we have an episode that'll be coming up with a guest host uh, where we're going to be recasting this film there are eight major roles i feel like and they're all going to get recasted but this was the review and i know jesse you're always interested in you know seeing new movies so you feel uh, good about this one I do, yeah. This was a good one to watch. I've definitely heard it be referenced, whether it be in pop culture or in GIFs, uh, you know, seeing people reference different parts of it. And it was definitely a fun watch. So I'm glad that this one was pitched to us. I know that it, I won't be available for this next, uh, you know, episode that you, you have uh, the guest host on. But I am thinking that after watching it, I'm pretty tempted to go ahead and send you a cast now, see what you'll think. So I'll probably get my, my hands uh, on some uh, some paper and I get a cast list going and I'll send that to you. That way maybe you can share it when you are able to uh, record with the guest host so excited to hear that when you do do that and excited to hear this review when you do put your finishing touches on it so uh thank you for uh you know listening fans thank you so much for sticking with us after uh, a small hiatus there but uh, now that it's getting warm we want to give you something awesome to listen to while you're in your air conditioning absolutely hopefully you guys are enjoying the summer and we will continue to bring out content if it comes out a little bit slower just be patient but uh, we got some good stuff in the pipeline so thank you for listening and feel free to hit us up on social media at recast the podcast <laughs>